Live. Live on. Live on set. And welcome to another episode of Live on Set. Live on Set, the weekly pop culture podcast where I'm talking film, music, sports, television with my friends, family, and people I meet along the way. With the same theme as episode 34 with my good friend Stefan, another person I can put in the friends and the family category, joining me on set for his very first appearance, my good friend, Gary Beck. Gary, how's it going? Austin, I think it's an honor to um, finally join you. I've been, feels like I've been cast aside as your friends. I mean, we're 30, more than 30 episodes in and it's just me after all the all the movies we've seen together. Like, I don't know if it was because I was in jail for the past several months um, <laughs> or what, but um, excited to join, excited to talk about all things going on because there's a lot happening, a lot getting ready to happen. And um, it's kind of, with movies open, it's an excited time to talk about movies with different venues opening. It's an exciting thing to talk about pop culture and um, people are getting a little crazy and that includes our favorite celebrities, so. Right. No, thank you for saying that. I know that it's been way too long. You just from touching base with you for the we're zooming so I can see you. So I know it's I apologize it's, for that. Yeah. No, everything <laughs> is great. Everything is great. Uh no, it's definitely something I should have had you on earlier, but I feel like from us talking before, this this could honestly be the best one yet. So with how this podcast has been going, and I know you've been following it, which I'm so thankful, but with same similar fashions to a number of not only our friends, but people that have been on the podcast, we could have a sports episode, a movie episode, a TV episode, a music episode. We've gone to music festivals together. We've seen countless films, either watching it as friends or going to the theater for premieres or such from in all different states. But also we have talked pop culture for a very long time. So I can't wait to, to get started. So when we were touching base, we both in the past couple of weeks have purchased some pretty serious uh, stand-up comedy tickets getting back into the the going out aspect of our lives. So the first weekend in October, going to see Tom Segura here in Orlando, but the hottest stand-up ticket out you have secured. So let's get past the suspense. Let's talk through it. Yeah, no, but first let's say Tom is a great, great comedian. His Netflix specials are always funny. He has some a lot of great clips on YouTube. Um, his Hot Ones one, Hot Ones episode is up there um, as well. Right. But on a whim, um, it seems like John Mulaney has been scheduling these kind of almost like pop-up shows where there doesn't seem to be a lot of warning and then he just pops it up and does these shows. He um, did some in New York and then I was actually in an Uber the other day and a John Mulaney fan account um, tweeted out a show about the Wolver which is 14 shows he's doing in Boston, all sold out, I'm assuming very fast. And I just, my girlfriend's a big fan of John Mulaney. I think this is mostly a vehicle for me to have her in front of John Mulaney so she can leave me for John Mulaney, especially now <laughs> that he's single. Right. Um, I'm not sure where she, you know, levels up with Olivia Munn, but, you know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but... I mean, tickets were outrageously expensive on the resale for SeatGeek, but we just um, 
we were able to get some good tickets by going to one of the 10 p.m. shows instead of the 7 p.m. shows. And so we bought those tickets, then bought the plane tickets and the hotel um, accommodations the next morning. And so we're just going to fly up to Boston, make a weekend out of it, um, go get go get drinks and see what Mulaney has to say, especially with all the the craziness surrounding him, not just um, the divorce, but going through rehab. And it seems like a lot. So but his shows in New York were very well received. Um, not, I mean, most of it was secretive. So we're right. going to see if they do the um, the phone jail situation. But um, we're really excited about his three specials on Netflix are must watch if you're interested in comedy of any form. But he's a hot ticket and we're glad that we were able to um, make this happen. Right. No, John Mulaney, someone who I have discussed on the past on the show, especially when I ever talk about SNL and episodes he's hosted and he's really turning into, and and I've never asked this question because I've said it on the episodes that I've kind of done solo where I could be way off base or I could be right where I need to be. But I think you're the perfect person to ask. And we didn't prepare this. This is live on set. Is John Mulaney, could he be our Steve Martin or is that not the right? Steve Martin did a lot of acting too. Right. So I don't think he has that. He hasn't really, I mean, he was on Pete Holmes's show a little bit. So I don't know if he has or is interested in adding that dimension to his repertoire. Mm -hmm. But I do think in terms of comedians for our stand-up comedians for our generation, he has to be up there. I really do. Yeah. And I know with your knowledge of, the genre of superhero films maybe his role as spider-ham just hasn't gotten the people really in the seats theater wise but until the live action spider-ham film which or you know maybe the next tom holland spider-man he's going to join toby and andrew in his rightful place oh i would love it as a portrayer of spider-man so i i think that the world would love that and the one thing I will say about John Mulaney is he was someone who one of our, our good friends, Connor had showed me him. And I had heard the name with SNL back in the past because he was a writer, really didn't have the opportunity to be on camera a lot. But then when his show, the one kind of like the one and done, I watched the majority of those episodes. And then I kind of like checked in on him here and there, saw he had specials. And, and, and now that he's hosted four times of SNL and he's this big, just playing all these great venues with, with stand up and going through the personal stuff and now getting back out there. He's someone who not just on a stand up front, but really sort of an event kind of standpoint that I would love to, to kind of see him live uh, in the future. So no, that'll be great. You'll definitely let me know. To bring it back to movies. I mean, he's kind of like a, the Christopher Nolan of stand up comedians where it's yes. like, if he's in town, you know, that's an event and people are going to travel to see him appropriately. So, right. No, I love it. So let's talk. What are you watching on TV right now? I know that with John Mulaney, he does have a connection to Apple TV. He did a little bit of the, the stuff with uh, Haley uh, Steinfeld's uh, the, like the show Dickinson that's on Apple TV. I know that our one of our other good friends, Henry, got me and, and Connor really talking about Ted Lasso. And I've watched that show, Apple TV. Uh, haven't watched the morning show yet. I know a lot of people are, are crazy about that, but uh, anything with Apple TV, what are your thoughts? So, I mean, my Apple TV, I have two Apple TVs in my junior one bedroom apartment in DC. <laughs> Love um, the other day after watching 
the interpreter on Netflix, the mm-hmm. very underrated Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, correct. Movie. Of course. Um, which it's, I mean, it's been 16 years since I saw it because me and my family definitely saw that in movie theaters because that right. is PG 13 right up my family's alley. Right. So we watched that. And then I was like, well, this has parallels to one of my favorite movies of all time, The Day of the Jackal, which is about, you know, um, assassin trying to k- kill Charles de Gaulle. So we finished Interpreter, ran out, got a pizza. We're back within 10 minutes. And my Apple TV, complete, the sound was completely delayed by like four seconds. Oh my God. So it was this whole big thing. Um, it was still messed up the next day. So I called the Apple. Um, luckily I got right through to somebody named Gabby at Apple. Gabby was fabulous, but she had me, she was like, okay, I need you to like record it being delayed for each TV. And then I need you to do this one thing and record it again. So I had to record four, four things. So I was like, I don't want to choose anything that makes me look like a schmuck, you know? Right. I don't want to choose anything lame. So I was like, I was literally (laughs) talking to her. I was like, I need to choose movies that like I want to showcase me. And this is like completely in my own head. And, like, right. and but also like, you know, show my bona fides. So right, like, right, right. So like the first one I went to, I went to, and I have, I checked it the other day. I have 90 movies downloaded on Apple. Usually I come back from getting drinks and I just buy a bunch of movies and mm-hmm. it is a problem that I am working out. But <laughs> so like the first one I recorded was contact. You know, the Jodie Foster. Foster. Yes. It has a lot to do with sound. It's a great film, you know. So I was like, boom, contact. Next one I did, Inside Man. Denzel sure. Washington. Obviously, it's not, you know, on the pinnacle of those Spike Lee-esque Spike Lee movies. But it's right. a very good Spike Lee trying to be somebody else movie. Gotta um, watch it from the beginning. Yep. Gotta watch it from the beginning. Gotta watch it from the beginning. Then I did Day of the Jackal again, just because that was where we witnessed the problems. And then last movie I did, I was thinking about doing La La Land. I didn't. No. Machete kills. (laughs) (laughs) Had to to from just a personal respect for myself. Right. Right. Big Danny Trejo guys. Both of us. Good man. Who isn't a big Danny Trejo guy? Oh. Excellent. And that man's always busy. So good for him. Especially this past year, it's been tough on us all. He continuously works. So good for him. He could be, you know, the one dragging us through this pandemic. Anthony Fauci, Danny right. Trejo. You uh, know? <laughs> so Two well put. <laughs> Got to get this guy out on the mound, throw a first pitch. My God. <laughs> <laughs> no, a number of those. Now, the Day of the Jackal, I've never seen. All the other films I have seen. But Interpreter, wow, that, that is a deep cut. And I, yeah. I, I, I see that, that movie poster right now. But Contact is a movie that I used to get so upset when I was younger because if a movie was like two hours and 10 minutes or two hours and 15 minutes, like TNT, TBS, whatever, it'd be on for, for, for three hours. Yeah. Now, at that point, I didn't understand uh, advertising and how commercials worked and paid programming, et cetera. So now I completely Is this understand. a segue to move into your advertising sponsors? Um, <laughs> are we getting ready to talk about MeUndies? Right. MeUndies, BF Goodrich Tires. Yes, yes, yes. Babbel, the whole thing. So <laughs> do, you want to know, do you want to learn a new language? Uh, brought to you by Babbel. 30% promo code. Austin's going to lose his podcast. <laughs> so uh, no more pod for you. But no, it's the contact was always a movie that would always be on TNT, like on a Saturday from 
545 to eight, yeah. always, almost always. Mm-hmm. And Jody Foster, for me growing up, I did not know that she got her start in like taxi driver in the seventies with Scorsese. It was, I thought for being so into movies until I actually kind of looked into things, I thought she was only in three movies, Silence of the Lambs, Contact, Panic Room, that she was in nothing else. She did nothing else. And those might've been three of her, her, her biggest films, but obviously her, her resume is, is great. Yeah. And especially um, in Elysium with Matt Damon, where she has one of the worst accents of all time. <laughs> God bless her. It's rough. But I'm glad you mentioned Panic Room because that's Panic Room was kind of my gateway drug to Fincher. It really right. was. And I think right. it's a lot of people's, I know like growing up people had, but like our age, I mean, that was the first Fincher movie that I remember seeing. Mm-hmm. And when I found out like he went to do and I like watched Seven and stuff and it's like, oh, that's the same guy that did Panic Room. Obviously Seven is a lot more mature movie. So I saw that at a later age than Panic Room. Right. But, yeah. I remember... The first, I think this is 100% true, and this is highly questionable. The first and only David Fincher movie that I saw in theaters. I've seen all of his work with the exception of, I know he did like Alien 3 or something, like his first directorial debut, whatever it was. The first David Fincher movie that I saw in theaters, Gone Girl. I remember my senior year of high school social network came out and it was like during like football season. And I'd also played like year on sports at the time. I just really couldn't like find time to go, but that's a movie that is, is obviously is, is a favorite of mine all time, but really seven was in the mid nineties, 95, I think then fight club, obviously in second or third grade, that's a family, family friendly film. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then Panic Room, I think, was 02. And then I still have not seen Benjamin Button. I have not seen Mank, but I've seen everything else. So I, I, I I've been trying to go back and watch, like, especially the film directors I really respect. And some of them, there's like really easy, like Tarantino. I mean, he's only made nine films. So like right. you can go back and watch all of them. I've done it with Wes Anderson as well. Mm-hmm. Fincher, like all those ones um, that are really about, you know, quality over quantity um i've been trying to go back and um watch him from beginning to end to see how they grow right i think i went through that phase where we went to the same college as well so i did not get Is that where i know you i think so uh, you were in the parking lot already right? <laughs> that's how i know you right <laughs> first i was afraid i'm joking so <laughs> but what i will say is when Netflix, when I got into that, because I know he was involved with House of Cards, but at that time, I think House of Cards was my sophomore year of, of, that of college. I had watched Seven for the first time, but then, and then Fight Club right after that as well. I didn't see any of those movies until college, but another movie a lot longer than what the runtime is, and it still checks out, maybe just a movie that kind of runs long, Zodiac. So Zodiac is pretty long, great cast, but long. Zodiac's in my top five favorite movies of all time. It's solid. It is. It's solid. And I it's think... Completely frightening. Like sure. The basement scene and then the scene at the lake where he just walks up and starts stabbing those people. Right. Two of the most frightening things I saw on film in a non, you know, quote unquote horror movie. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I think that with his films and Mank, I mean, not a thriller, but it might give you a thrill. I don't know. But what I will definitely say, Zodiac was a, was a movie that it you're, you're on the edge of your feet. I mean, I, for, for, for ele- like for elements of that film. And there are so many other movies that were kind of what like would have come around like the same time as that kind of like long movies, like American gangster, long movie, Zodiac, long movie. But what, I, what I'll definitely say is there are a number of directors up and coming. Cause I know we talked before kind of like where we want to take the conversation where even if you take one film of Fincher's, and you just take that aside and take it out of his work and someone you would pray as a filmmaker to just have one movie to like the recognition and Fincher is just one of those guys that you put in that category of, of really the, like the best of the best. And we, we can look back and say that we lived during the time that we could, you know, see his films. Yeah. And I feel like the talking about the new people that are getting into the game, obviously you got Taika, who is um, becoming must-see, especially after Ragnarok and Jojo Rabbit. And then you got Kugler as well. Those are the two people that I think, you know, are relatively new to the scene, um, but are um, really just putting out quality product after quality product, uh, especially when they're behind the camera. Right. And to kind of keep going with that conversation there, I know you like you had talked about Wes Anderson and his body of work. It's really similar to like Paul Thomas Anderson as well, those two right there, but especially Wes Anderson with how visually powerful his films are, whether it's like the, the color hues, the saturation, however you really want to describe it. But Wes Anderson, uh, the French dispatch, we'll get into that in a second. Grand Budapest hotel has to be one of my favorite films of all time. It's yeah. It's either his most accessible film or his least accessible film. It's hard to tell, but it is, (laughs) just fantastic it really is it's a, and it's a feel-good film at the end of the sure. end of the day i mean sure. that might be halfway because of the color palette but it is just um beautifully done it's kind of his most complete script i would like to say and yeah. i and to be honest without the imdb right in front of me i don't know how much involvement he had on the script but his influence are the film and it really might be kind of his you know masterclass film at the end of his very long career because i know he would have started with like rushmore and bottle rocket bottle rocket was his first film and then like going into the the 2000s and and beyond yeah 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 the first film of his that i think i saw moonrise kingdom in in theaters did he direct royal tenenbaugh's yeah was that him that was him yeah that was, and I'm a big Lethal Weapon franchise guy. I'm a mm-hmm. big Danny Glover guy. Um, I don't have enough Danny Glover merch, but he is fantastic in the Royal Tenenbaugh's. But what I love about Wes Anderson is, in his films, is not like every filmmaker has to have some sort of appreciation to like attention to detail. But I feel like he is the perfect example of every element that is on film if it's drawn if it's shot if he takes advantage of how beautiful the world is he amongst everyone else i feel like stands apart from everybody else and i i need to watch like grand budapest i believe is not on any 
streaming service that I know of. It's but one it's of my a, films. <laughs> it it is a it is a film that I've only seen twice in my life, and it's a it's a movie, honestly, Gary, that I don't think I've seen in five years. It gets funnier every time you watch it because he does have that dry sense of humor, mostly with his characters being so quirky, you don't really catch a lot of things until multiple viewings. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of things fly over your head, but it is um, definitely worth the revisit um, at least every year. So Yeah. It, it's someone who, especially with, with, with Ray Fiennes being the, the main character in the film, it's good to see him. I mean, he's one of like the, especially like in the latter half of his, of his career, someone who would have come onto the scene as like a villain and then really kind of continued that in a way with going from Schindler's list and then also being Voldemort, but then also bringing into the fact that as long as the James Bond franchise kind of stays afloat, he'll have an involvement as that as well. One of like truly one of like the luckiest kind of actors that we kind of like in the game, honestly. But when I think of grand Budapest, I saw that film in a theater. The two times I've seen it, I saw it in theaters. I saw it home in Orlando and then, I think it came out. It was not like an Oscar. It was nominated for Academy Awards, but it didn't come out in like the Oscar season. It would have come out like in the following one. So, and it, it won awards, but I saw that at the Grand in Winston. I want to kind of pivot the conversation to and still stay within within movies, but you and I have seen a number of films, uh, whether it be premieres, like I said in the intro, either premieres, or just kind of being on vacation with, with our friends and trying to go see a movie if it fits into the schedule. But one of the most noteworthy film going experiences of mine, and since you brought it up and when we were just catching up before we started, I would assume it's got to be on your list as well. Yeah. Let's talk about the Captain Phillips experience of, I think, 2013, whenever it came out. That sounds about right. Maybe 2014. Maybe. I, I mean, think so. it was, first of all, it was still in theaters and it was still Tom Hanks in a popular movie. So I don't know how it ended up just being me, you, and maybe three or four, two or three, two to four other friends. So right. there was a max of six of us. And then we were all sitting on a row. And then probably four or five rows in front of us, there was just one guy lone ranger in it right and he just filmed the entire thing from his from his phone just right moved, like the entire <laughs> entire the, thing the theater was absolutely massive yeah we went to like the seven or, or eight o'clock premiere the thursday night and like oh this is gonna be great tom hanks this story true story we're all excited chipotle before i remember going there as well and then to the point that we were so kind of nervous because the Palladium, if in, in, in the High Point area, if we were going to go see a movie uh, that wasn't like a matinee, I would, between classes, I'd run and go get tickets and I would come back so we didn't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. With the Grand, we were in line for Chipotle and there were a lot of people and we kept thinking, should we get our tickets now? Should we get our tickets now? Should we get our tickets now? And I got the four tickets yeah. and we got there. And there was literally just the guy in front of us. That was it. And that theater held between two and 300 people. Yeah. That's how I thought it was going to be when I saw, um, I risked it and saw a tenant, tenant with a mask on. I had to 
you know, go slum it over into Virginia to um, <laughs> run through to an AMC. And for the longest time, I was the only one in there. And then probably three trailers before the movie started, that's when people started filing in. I was like, damn it. Yeah. I've seen two movies during the... I mean, I live in Orlando. It's the wild, wild west down here. So I know that theaters are open now that if I wanted to go, I'm not sure with the whole mask situation, it, I wouldn't have to wear it. But I saw Tenant with, with our friend Connor, who was the guest on the previous uh, two episodes ago, excuse me. Um, we saw Tenant together in Orlando and we were two of like a good size theater, like 150, 200. We were two of four, I think. Like every other, every other seats, but had to wear masks. It would have been August, September time when the movie came out. And that was the first kind of big thing for, for Regal to kind of come back. And then obviously stuff, they, they shut down. Yeah. And I mean, I just ended up seeing Regal and AMC. So the two big boys and whatever the industry is coming out post pandemic have both said that they're not enforcing masking rules as long as your locality um, doesn't require it. So right. um, I just saw, and I don't know if you've had a chance to see see it yet, but I just saw um, Quiet Place 2 um, at a Regal. Um, I have not, I have not seen the film yet, but I let's, won't spoil it. let's talk about your experience. We have talked about my experience. Yes. Um, and I <laughs> didn't know, I just bought IMAX tickets. I was like, okay, I'm going to a Regal IMAX, big screen will do it. I didn't realize I chose the 4DX showing. So I get to the theater, I <laughs> go find my seat, and I sit down, and I notice that all the seats in the row have a water on setting. Right. And I sit down, and there's a spout right in front of my face. <laughs> That's when I texted you guys a picture <laughs> of this is going to be a crazy experience. Right. But <laughs> while I really liked the movie, I thought it was a, a solid, solid sequel up there with the original. Just the experience, because these chairs, they don't just, I thought they were going to rumble, you know, maybe a little bit. Like, it shakes you awake. These chairs had hydraulics on them. It was like we're <laughs> in a low rider right but it was not it didn't seem to be choreographed with the movie at all it's almost it's not like john krasinski is like you know oh the chairs need to you know go up or forward at this right. point so whenever this was you remember in the first movie where you kind of got in um the deaf actress's head yes. and you could like it, you would like hear very very muffled dings right it would be like going up and down like you were on you know a deck boat in the atlantic ocean it was right. it was crazy and that was all people were talking about when we left we were people were and i saw it alone because i can't find a friend in dc that likes scary movies okay um but uh, everybody else was talking about like that made no sense about, you know, a muffled sound comes and it lurches us forward a little bit. So right. I can recommend the movie, can't recommend the experience. I know the only thing that pre-COVID, Regal had RPX, Cinemark would have XD. And then I know that for the some of the theaters like near us in college, they would have like D-Box. Yeah. This 4D situation, it would be like if we a bunch of us like went out and we had like a really good time before and we went to like a 10 o'clock showing 
The only movie that I would consider doing it for is a movie that has been released a couple of years ago, The Meg. <laughs> I have a great Meg story. I, I would need a, a, a seasickness patch and uh, I would be putting in PTO for the following day. There was, because The Meg came out, it was like the summer movie. Like it was right. trying to be Jaws, Jaws uh, exactly. a couple years ago. Obviously, playfully, it wasn't taking itself as seriously. But I remember me and a bunch of friends went to the pool and then went to drinks. And then one of them said, well, the Meg comes out, you know, at 11 o'clock tonight. Why don't we just go see it? And I was like, yeah, I'm down for that. Sure. We get there. We realize he has the day wrong or the month wrong. He actually comes out the next month. (laughs) So stupidly we decide to wait 45 minutes and watch a random midnight showing of mission impossible fallout oh my god which is a long movie there was three of us there and we all slept through different acts of the movie (laughs) so we had to actually come together afterwards and piece together what the other one missed oh my god I, I i think the last movie that i fell asleep in just from trying to throw too much into one day fantastic beasts the first one no clue have not seen the second no clue i remember because i mean this week being johnny depp's birthday i remember the first 15 20 minutes and then waking up and seeing that he was at the end of the first one middle hour 45 zero clue zero clue to be honest i think your money was better spent sleeping through it than watching the film Good to know. Haven't yeah. seen the second. So, and I know they're still making no. more. So I'm trying to think we've seen a number of movies, the gravity experience. Oh yes, 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 yes. You want okay. to talk about the gravity experience? Yes. So for those who enjoy going to see films and know the film gravity, Sandra Bullock, George Clooney directed by yep. Alfonso Cuaron, Lubezki shot at Chivo. And then, someone's the voice of some maybe ed harris i feel like he had to be involved in some way shape or form but what i will definitely say is that was a film going experience unlike any other it really kind of kicked off for us kind of like our thursday go to dinner see a film at regal yeah come back to campus and we saw it in imax at the regal palladium mm-hmm. in high point north carolina uh and Another film that came out around that time was the Dane DeHaan, DeHaan, depending on where you're from, classic Metallica. Enter the, what is it? Enter en- the Void? Enter, enter the, the Sand. And it's not, en- is it Enter the, it, you would think it'd be Enter the Sandman. Hold on. We're, we're going to enter, I think it's Enter the Never. Through the it's Never. Like, through the Never. Through the Never. Yeah. 2013. It's on Netflix. Wow, 61 Metascore. Trip, the Dane DeHaan. Trip, a young roadie for Metallica, is sent on an urgent mission during the band show. But what seems like a simple assignment turns into a surreal adventure. So we saw the first 10 minutes of that surreal adventure. Well, no, you're missing the part that made us all like perk our ears up. Because while we are waiting for gravity to start, it showed a trailer for gravity. (laughs) <laughs> right, 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 right. How did I forget? Okay, yes, 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 yes. Okay. So we saw a trailer for the movie that we had paid admission to see. 
And then when the movie starts, we see this road and then the establishing shot leads into the sound of a skateboard going down this hill and it's Dane DeHaan and he's method. So of course, X game training, the whole thing, he's method. So we sit through the first couple of minutes and we're looking at each other and we have the glasses, right? Yeah. And no one on screen resembles anything similar to Sandra Bullock, George Clooney. And for that rather, and especially like the environment, the setting, whatever, nothing remotely close to space. Mm-hmm. Another five minutes go, people are whispering and you're like, someone's got to go. We got to figure this out. So I go out there. We're in theater one. If you go into the plating, take a left all the way down the hall. I go out and halfway down the hall and I'm, I'm moving. Cause like, I want to see this movie. I've been yeah. hyping it up. And I go out of the hall. I'm like, Hey guys, uh, we're in theater one uh, for gravity. Eight o'clock. Uh, it's not gravity. It's Metallica. and so immediately as if it was like an air traffic controller with his orange kind of bringing the plane in he just he goes like we don't have gravity on one we don't have gravity on one (laughs) and within uh and i and i was and he and after he said that he's like thank you and i went back to i went back in the theater and i said yeah they'll, they'll get it in a second and then it ended up being gravity and that was an experience unlike any other but First, first 10 minutes of Metallica, solid. Yeah. I mean, well, it is the Dwight Schrute line about seeing Wedding Crashers and thinking it was Grizzly Man. Right. Right. Because <laughs> we were just like, maybe it's just going to like zoom up and maybe she's Sandra Bullock's son. Like all these thoughts were going <laughs> through our heads right. um, individually. And it just got to the point, I think when the Metallica chords like start kicking in, we're like, this is definitely the wrong movie. <laughs> this is the wrong movie. But then we also have to think, are we in the wrong theater? You know? Right, right, <laughs> so. right. A lot of time had passed and, and Gravity only being like 90 minutes exactly. We were 10 minutes into a movie that we wanted to miss nothing of, but luckily. And the reviews all said, you have to watch the first 10 minutes. It's right. crazy, the first 10 minutes, because right. the movie Gravity, spoilers ahead, that's when the ship gets hit by asteroids. So we right. were like, what's going to be happening? Right. And it's it's a good thing that we ended up being in the right place and, and everything began to unfold. But that's definitely a, a solid film going experience of mine, one I'll, I'll truly never forget. But another one, when we went on vacation in Cincinnati, a completely different film, but still involving film royalty, Tom, cool. Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, and Steven Spielberg's, I think, 2018, 2019, The Post. And around there. Yeah. And 17 Sunday matinee. Yeah. Just trying to put something in the middle of the day, just, you know, hang out, go see a film. And there were people of all ages in the theater that day at the center mark in Cincinnati to the point that there was a couple of rows behind us. An elderly Cincinnati native took advantage of the afternoon nap. Yeah. And the phone rang in a scene (laughs) <laughs> and she woke up and answered the phone as if it was her phone. Pulled her cell phone out of her pocket and right. said, hello, this is Barbara. A, she's in a movie theater and she's doing this. So right. right. She's either completely disoriented or has no manners whatsoever. Right. And B, it wasn't even her phone. Right. <laughs> and, it, and it was, 
the sound of it was like those 1970s phones. So right. it's not like a modern ringtone or all at all. Right. So it right. opened a whole lot of questions. I wanted to get into it with her um, in terms of finding out, you know, what makes this person tick? But right. fortunately, um, I haven't been able to track her down despite hiring multiple PIs. And, right. Um, of course. Well, I'm you're going to have to. Into financial ruin, to be honest with this. <laughs> The, the one thing that I will say is, and that was hysterical, but also, also to say like the icing on the cake was when the film ended, the person that was with her that clearly drove her to the theater that day said, what'd you think of the movie? How, did you think Meryl Streep was good? And she said, oh, that was Meryl Streep. She had no clue. She was the only picture on the poster. <laughs> but no, that, that was hysterical. Some other premiere films we would have seen include Rush, the Ron Howard, Chris Hemsworth, mm. Daniel Bruhl. Which has, I think it's aged well, in my opinion. Sure, sure. I've seen it, I think, two or three times, maybe since yeah. we would have seen it. And that would have been another one of those fall kind of leading up to, to like Oscar time frame mm-hmm. and Oscar season. But let's definitely, so I don't, I don't forget about it. There's We've talked about a lot of movies that we... Um, have seen but also you went to the quiet place you have between both of us have gone in you've been physically in a theater more recently than i have um i know in the heights we're recording this on the evening of june the 10th uh but in the heights comes out tomorrow in theaters everywhere and and there's been some pre-screenings and i've heard nothing but great things but it comes out tomorrow june 11th also on hbo max kind of and then theaters as well but there are a number of movies between now and the end of this year that I'm extremely excited about and are movies that you can really truly say are meant to be seen in a theater. And for me, I think the top of that list movie you said earlier before we started for me is Dune. Absolutely. But then also we'll kind of get that, that soup between now and the end of the year, three superhero films, Marvel films or marvel affiliated films in black widow in july and then eternals and then around christmas time we'll get the third spider-man so so the 10 rings come out too oh yeah that as well that as well there's four is that early next year i don't know one or the other yeah which one are you most excited for god i love me some zendaya and she's in two of these films Mm mm-hmm you know, Space Jam isn't in the MCU, right? Oh my gosh, she's in three. <laughs> yeah, this is this is tough. This is tough. I will definitely say the hype with Dennis's films are real. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Dune solely because. Oh, I was only talking about the MCU movies. So oh, the MCU two, movies. Yeah, okay, just specifically MCU. I'll go Dune. No, um, the MC <laughs> MC MCU. I'm I'm honestly excited for eternals no offense to the gold rings um all 10 of them but the hype on eternals is real and i feel like it'll be the first true movie marvel cinematic experience that can really set up what we'll get in the future and with no one really being tied to there's that cast is so good but also coming off the Oscar coming off the Oscars. Right. But what I'll definitely say is yeah, without a doubt, I'm going to go Eternals because of the cast, the hype, 
And that movie should have been out by now, but obviously because of COVID, things didn't happen. But I'm, I'm confidently going to say that. What I about would you? have to, th- my only concern about the Eternals and knowing a little bit of the background, I'm not a comic book guy at all, but I do like kind of research, like when phases are released and movies are released, I try to do some research. So I at least don't look like an don't seem like an idiot and can understand kind of the background of people is a lot of the internals seem that their power seems to be can harness cosmic energy or something along those lines. So Mm -hmm. I'm worried that it might get kind of repetitive in terms of power uses. Like imagine if all the Avengers had a similar, you know, power, right. It might, might get a little stale, but I'm really excited about black widow. I think there's, they put out 17 trailers for it over the past right <laughs> past um, COVID pandemic. So we might've already seen most of the movie, but right. I think to see what ScarJo can do kind of leading a big Marvel film is interesting. So I would have to say Black Widow. Yeah. And, and, and no like disrespect to anything with spider-man i have watched homecoming and far from home twice Maloney in it, and then it i switched my mind right away you, you know? know what you're not you put wrong. spider ham in the film oh well so many other people in, involved with spider-man in the past are going to be are rumored to be in this film mm-hmm. and yeah. it'll be interesting to see kind of like how that goes but the tom holland spider-man's i i really i thoroughly do enjoy fun fact and this is actually highly questionable with how much I am a fan of film and the movie going experience. My first ever IMAX experience, the amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, the first of all time of all time. That's sad. Highly Uh, questionable, (laughs) highly questionable, but uh, Andrew Garfield got two, two runs at, at, at Spider-Man and that, but I remember seeing all of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man's, in the theater and they were everyone every time i went they were sold out um i remember going to the spider-man 3 premiere and people just that being so much of the craze and then also either the second or the third pirates had come out at the time like that was just a good time for movies Mm -hmm. and really at that young age really kind of understanding like the significance of a summer blockbuster being able to really kind of experience that and those movies made so much money and but what I'll what I'll say is I'm curious to see how much more Tom Holland we're going to get mm-hmm. after this film in December. Well, how many films has he signed on for? Isn't he signed on for like seven or eight? More or total? I don't know. I couldn't tell you if that's collectively or um, if he's already ticking those off. But I mean, Civil War. Endgame, Infinity War, the two solos, that's five. Mm-hmm. We got this new one that's coming, that's six. It looks like he said earlier this year that his co- current contract is out after this film. So um, if they want him back, um, he'll be there in a heartbeat. But it seems like he has all finished the obligation to his Marvel contract. Mm. Interesting. We'll see. I mean, I I don't know where it's going to go, but I will be there. That movie, I'm not sure how much, how long that Spider Man movie would have been delayed, 
but I, I do know that the first two were great. I'm excited for the third, mm-hmm. but going back to what I said a couple of minutes ago, I think the film I'm the most excited about is, is Dune. That's the one you're going to need to see on the big screen. I don't know if you've seen the um, David Lynch version. Um, I think that's on HBO max. It's okay. As a big David Lynch fan, big fan of Twin Peaks, Lost Highway, um, Mulholland Drive, all of his crazy wacky stuff that he puts out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dune is one of those ones where could have been him. It could have been the studio. It just doesn't seem to flow well. There's some missing ingredient. So I'm excited to see what they do. But with the kind of spectacle that you see in the trailer, I think that's the one you have to see on the big screen. And yeah. I'll be amiss if we didn't talk, you know, mention at least, you know, Top Gun 2 on sure. here as well. Sure. Um, that'll be a great one to see on the big screen. No Time to Die. I know we're both big Bond films. Probably be Daniel Craig's last swing at the ball too. So hopefully he can. I mean, he has been literally hit, miss, hit, miss. So hopefully this will be a hit in terms of what his five outings as Bond are going to be. So Right. I said this with one of my cousins that have been on the show, but is the most coveted role in cinema, is it James Bond? One of them? I don't know because there's they have such a weird contract. And I remember when... Pierce Brosnan left and they were looking for Daniel Craig and Pierce Brosnan was talking about all the stuff you can't do. There's like, they put, and I don't know if these are in Daniel Craig's contract, but like you can't wear a tuxedo in another movie. And there's so many limiting things where the Broccoli family. And now I guess it was bought by Amazon or Warner. I can't remember. I think Amazon. uh... Yeah. I think Bezos bought it. Yeah between like the broccoli family, what they want out of their bonds and what um, um, the contract he's going to be signing with Amazon. I mean, I think at one time it was, and I think it, but ultimately they are plucking these guys. I mean, Daniel Craig wasn't a big name. He had like layer cake, a couple things, right. But he wasn't a big time star. Neither was Pierce Brosnan. Um, it was really just Sean Connery. And that ultimately made Sean Connery's career, but Sean Connery was relatively big name along with Roger Moore. So right. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's the most coveted and I couldn't give you an answer on what the most coveted, you know, traditionally recast role is. It's I, I maybe just because there's so much history with that role, starting with Dr. No in the sixties and it, it's, it's going through like all of these decades and people <clears throat> that have played the role once uh, like George Lazenby and and, and with uh, Majesty's Secret Service and then Timothy Dalton getting a couple and mm-hmm. and then Roger Moore and Sean Connery and then now with with these these films that Daniel Craig has had his his run with but I remember after the first filming of being cast in Casino Royale all the filming post-production reshoots and then all the press mm-hmm. Daniel Craig very openly said that this is too much yeah and if you look at the movies that he would have been a part of throughout that run, I know we have with our friend Henry, we talked knives on, on most recently on the short term, a lot of about knives out, but dragon tattoo cowboys and aliens. He was in Logan, lucky Logan, lucky. Mm-hmm. And then he was also in, um, I'm missing one relatively 
solid film. I'm missing one. Um, but oh, and he also had the uncredited voice in, in Force Awakens. So, oh, yes, yes. But he is someone who it's one of those things that he will always be known as James Bond. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I got to think maybe what's the most Batman. Public- Batman's probably the most people want to be Batman. Batman. Yeah, that's very true. Oh, man. No, there's there's so many things I love talking about movies. I mean, this episode could go for hours and hours, Mm -hmm. but I am definitely excited for Dune. I know that with the the hype with that cast, the hype with the the body of work that Dennis has had, Prisoner, Sicario, Enemy, Blade Runner 2049, um, he really is someone who, uh, when he puts work out, people are are, are showing up. And, And then another thing is, and then Sicario, but what I will definitely say is the slate of movies between now and that will be released between our conversation today, the, the, the beginning of June through the end of this year, it will have me going back to what's doing my, one of my favorite things in the world. And that is, you know, going to the movies. So yeah, I know we talked about a lot, but I feel like we've, we've, we've tackled a lot today and with this episode and it has been without a doubt, one of my favorites, but uh, what are you looking forward to, Gary? Anything pop culture, anything in the world? And, and then I'll close this out. Getting the world back to normal. You know, I love that. Hoping that more people get vaccinated and we can move on. I can walk through Whole Foods without a mask one day. You know, things mm-hmm. things just like that. And um, I think movies are a good microcosm for people getting excited to getting back to normal. So I'm just looking forward to traveling. I know me you since we're vaccinated we're going to be meeting up in cincinnati to um right. meet a new addition to our crew yeah um allegedly we still haven't met the baby yet but then i mentioned i'm going up to boston with my girlfriend we have a couple european vacations that we bought tickets on the cheap so we're hoping that we can still get to the, go to those like amsterdam and nice. um, portugal and spain so i'm just looking to get back to normal as i'm sure most people are yeah no absolutely no i'm very excited for cincinnati that'll be god we've gone so many times it'll be round 10 for me i know i did a couple of solo 21 pilots runs but four for me maybe four for you yeah i know that i've i have met henry and aaron's baby owen we right before like february before COVID hit they came down to they, they came down to disney and he's delightful um, but what I'm, I'm really excited about is getting back with the crew getting, cause we were going to go the week of Mar- weekend of March 20th last year and everything stopped. Yeah. So be, to be able to know that we have a plan on the books within less than a month now, we'll be all together and hanging out and getting the, to get back together for the first time in a while. And I, I love it. I, I think that this is, this episode has been a perfect example of why I wanted to start the podcast. There were elements of really you of, of a person that I know that the, the live on set audience will truly appreciate. Uh, but these conversations and being able to connect after not being in the same room or the same space for a while. Uh, I love it. So, yeah. but that's going to do it for us. That is a wrap on episode 35 of live on set live on set, the weekly pop culture podcast where I'm talking film, music, sports, television, with my friends, family, and people I meet along the way. Thank you again, Gary. This episode was a hit. I will be back next week for episode 36 
the season two finale of Live on Set. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks for listening. And as always, much love.